If you think about it, there is quite a cast to the account of Christmas. If you think about it, there are many players that figure into the nativity scene. If we were somehow to top a hill and from that vantage point be able to peer down into the event of Jesus' birth, we would see many, many different participants. Now, depending on how long we stood at our perch, uh, we would see, we'd be able to see Elizabeth and Zacharias, the parents of John the Baptist. We would even meet little John as he leaps in his mother's womb. Uh, we would see the angels as they make their announcements. We would see Joseph and we would meet Mary. Uh, we would see a donkey set to trek to Bethlehem, the city of David. And we would see all of its really few inhabitants. Uh, one of them would be a less than gracious innkeeper. Uh, all the depictions have him as a heavy-set, bald man with a scowl. Uh, everybody knows somebody like the innkeeper. From our vantage point, we would see camels, we would see sheep, we would see cattle, we would see shepherds, we would see another host of angels. We would see Caesar Augustus, who, ruling in pride, would decree that a census would be taken. We would see kings. We would see the evil King Herod. We would see three kings, magi from the east as they make their way. We would see a star that shines over all of it. We would see all of the familiar cast. And then there are two. Two that we sometimes miss. However, two that God chose to include. Two that teach us further of the event of the coming of Christ. I'm talking about two older people, Simeon and Anna. Simeon and Anna. Tonight or for the next two weeks, we're going to look at these two people. Tonight our message is entitled, Waiting Witnesses to the Wonder of Jesus. Waiting Witnesses to the Wonder of Jesus. Of Jesus. We're in Luke chapter 2. Tonight we're going to start and we're going to look at verses 21 through 26. Luke chapter 2, verses 21 through 26. Waiting witnesses to the wonder of Jesus. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. God's Word says, And when eight days had passed, before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days for their purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Verse 23, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. 
Heavenly Father, we come tonight. We're thankful for this opportunity. We're thankful for a chance to come and to together worship you, together sing your praises, together hear from you and your word. Lord, I pray that tonight that you are pleased. I pray that tonight that you are honored. I pray, Lord, as we've gathered to hear, to seek your wisdom tonight, I pray that you would speak to us. And I pray that you would instruct us, that you would lead us tonight. And I pray, Lord, that it would be a marvelous event, our communion with you, our hearing from you, our worship of you. Lord, we again rejoice in this Lord's Day. We're thankful for our service this morning. We pray for those that heard. We pray for decisions yet still to be made. We trust that to you. Lord, we just thank you, we praise you, and we worship you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Here's what I've noticed to the studying of Scripture. Here's what I've noticed. Here's what I've noticed the key is. The key is this. The key is slowing down and expecting it to speak. You want to know what the the key that I found to studying Scripture, it is this, actually slowing down and expecting it to to speak. You see, these are the deliberate words of God. These words, these are His messages to us, each word. And if we will slow down, here's what I found, if we will slow down and listen God will speak. Now, I'll just tell you, I'm afraid our verses tonight are generally quickly moved over. I'm afraid in most Christmas accounts, they are totally skipped over. We get to this section of verses, and we either read across it very quickly, or we skip the account entirely. And yet, in these verses, in these words, God is speaking. Well, tonight or for the next two Sunday nights, we're going to let his word speak. We're going to seek to hear his voice and his message from these verses. Let me tell you this. God is going to bless it. Tonight as you hear this, God is going to bless it. As we go into this project, God is going to bless it. So let's go to our verses. Luke chapter 2, verse 21. We'll begin there. Let me read the verse. And when eight days had passed, before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. The events of his birth are recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, also here in the Gospel of Luke as well. The Bible now continues and says, and when eight days had passed, the baby was circumcised according to the Jewish law. On that day, the tradition was that the official name would be officially proclaimed. And so according to the law of Moses, according to God's law, on that day, the son would be circumcised, and as a tradition, On that day, the official name was officially proclaimed. Now, let me just say, and you probably know this, if if you've ever had kids, it is a fun time and it is a proud day, the day you give them their name. 
And you may remember that. It's, it's a fun time. It's an awesome thing to say for the very first time. Here is this person. It's a fun time. Well, on this day, Jesus, according to the law, was circumcised. And before he was circumcised, beforehand, his name, the Bible tells us, was called Jesus. Remember the name that was delivered, the name that was given by the angel. The Bible says, before he was conceived in the womb. Here's what I want you to see. Be sure and see this. The name was given by Joseph. It was proclaimed by the parents, but it was decided upon by God. Understand that the name Jesus was decided upon by God himself. Jesus is named by God himself. Now, before we move on, and we're going to see this in a couple of places, we're going to see it again very soon. But before we move on, I want you to see this. Jesus's life was fulfilling the law right from the start. Now, here we are eight days in, and that's what we see. Jesus's life was fulfilling the law right from the start. Now, in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law. The truth is, the law is kept by Jesus. The law is fulfilled in Jesus and not one point is ever overlooked. Right from the start, Jesus is fulfilling, Jesus is keeping the law. I'm going to read verse 21 again. And when eight days had passed before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb, verse 22. And when the days for their purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Verse 22 says, after the birth of the child, the mother was counted, now I want you to understand this, as ceremonially unclean for 40 days. That's what the, that's what the law in Leviticus says. The mother was counted as ceremonially unclean for 40 days. Now, I want you to understand that's not a bad thing. That is not a degrading thing. That is one of the ways that God provided for her and for her baby and honestly for her family. She had to wait 40 days to again enter into public life. Now, imagine the blessing of that. 40 days you get before you have to go back to public life. That was the, that was the law according to God. Here, here's something pretty awesome. Notice it says, when the days for their purification. Hold on a minute. That's what it says. When the days for their purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed. Why does it say there? Why does it not say her, the, the days for her purification? Why does it say there? Now, let me just say this. I do not believe it's talking about Mary 
and Jesus. Some would say, well, it's talking about Mary and the newborn, Jesus. There is no purification requirement for a child. There is no purification requirement for a newborn. That's the first thing. The second thing is this. When it says the days for their purification were completed, it says this. They brought him to Jerusalem. They brought him up. Well, there, they, is talking about, here's what I believe, is talking about Mary and Joseph. And here's what I believe. I think it says there, showing the strength of the family unit. The mother had to wait. That's what the law says. The mother had to wait. That was the law. And as one unit, that's what the Bible teaches us, as one flesh, here's what I believe, I believe they waited together. That's what I think. Now, I think that is showing the importance of Joseph in this very specific family unit. Now, he had to be confirmed of having a role of importance. I think it is showing the importance of Joseph in this family unit, but I also believe it shows the importance of the family unit. You see, here's what happens. If they had to wait, they waited as a unit. And when it was time to move and it was time to go, they would go as a unit. And so I believe this one word is showing the importance of the family unit. All right, verse 22 is further explained in verse 23. As it was written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. What this means, the firstborn son was dedicated to the Lord. Symbolically, they were given to the Lord. Now, they didn't leave them at the temple. Uh, they were symbolically committed to the Lord, dedicated to the Lord. The word holy means set aside unto the Lord. If you have kids, this is the example for all of us as we raise our kids. You see, they are gods. And if we are wise, we will commit them to him. And then when we raise them, we raise them as if they are his, because actually they are his. We raise them with a stewardship to him. Let me just tell you, I wrote this verse down. I'm going to come back here for Mother's Day and for Father's Day. That's how we raise kids. We don't need a bunch of books. I don't need a panel of experts. I don't need a list of things to do. How do you raise kids? You raise your kids as if they belong to the Lord because your kids belong to the Lord. Well, what should they watch? Well, what would they watch if they were the Lord's kids? Well, where should we take them? What should we invest in? How should we spend our time? We raise our kids with a stewardship to God Almighty himself. That's a whole side sermon. You're lucky you got that. Verse 24. And to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. I'm going to read for, for context here. 
verses 22, 23, and 24 together. And when the days for their purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now see this. When the child was dedicated, a sacrifice was made, an offering was made. Now the normal way was to offer a lamb and a dove or a pigeon. That was the normal way. That was the the main way to offer a lamb and a dove or a pigeon. If a family or if a person offered two doves, it was because they could not afford a lamb. Now I want you to listen. I'm going to go back to Leviticus chapter 12. The first part of the chapter talks about the days of purification. If you want to know those days, that's there. I'm going to start back in verse 6. When the days of her purification are completed, for a son or for a daughter, either way, she shall bring to the priest at the doorway of the tent of meeting a one-year-old lamb for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or turtle dove for a sin offering. Then he shall offer it before the Lord and make atonement for her, and she shall be cleansed from the flow of her blood. This is the law for her who bears a child, whether a male or a female. Listen to verse 8. But if she cannot afford a lamb, then she shall take two turtle doves or two young pigeons, the one for the burnt offering and the other for a sin offering, and the priest shall make atonement for her, and she will be clean. Understand what this means. They were so poor, they could not afford a lamb. And when the others, listen, on this day, when the others made their way to Jerusalem, when they made their way to the temple, they came in pride and they presented their lamb. And when the others came and they could say as they came with their lamb, nothing is too good for my son or my daughter. Nothing is is too good for my family. And they would present their lamb there on this day. There is Mary and there is Joseph and there is Jesus And all they had were two doves. They had no lamb. Now I want you to understand what that means. It means that Jesus, the King of glory, came truly in humility, unheralded by men, unnoticed by most, and he submitted himself in humility. Now, I want you to see something else right there. And I don't want you to miss this. Notice this. God graciously made a way for all to worship. 
I think we might miss that. We, we'll see, you know what, Jesus was from a humble family. They didn't have the lamb. But I want you to see God graciously made a way for all to worship. If you did not have a lamb, he didn't drive you away. He didn't say, this is a rich man's religion. He didn't say, come back when you've worked a little bit harder and you've got a lamb. He didn't shame you. He said, it's okay. And you can bring two doves. And he made a way for all to worship. Well, here's what I want you to see. The one being dedicated, the one true lamb of God, he likewise makes a way for all people to worship. It doesn't matter, brother or sister, if you're rich. It doesn't matter if you're poor. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. It doesn't matter if you're male or female. Jesus, the Lamb of God, makes a way for all to worship. Praise the Lord. Verse 25. That's the setting. Here we go. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now in verse 25, Simeon is now introduced. The Bible records he is in Jerusalem. He is in the capital city. There's this man there named Simeon. And this man was, now I want you to see this. This is God's description. This isn't what people thought of Simeon. This is what God has recorded of Simeon. This is God's description. He was righteous and devout. That is the description of Simeon recorded by God. He was a righteous and a devout man. Righteous, it doesn't mean perfect here. It means living in honor of God. He was a righteous man. He, he lived in a way that he sought to please God. He considered God and he wanted to obey God. He lived a godly life. He lived a righteous life. With his life, he sought to honor God. Then it says devout. That means devoted to God. Devoted, given to God. Committed to God. Now, let me just tell you, what a great description of a person. Here he is, and he is devoted not to the things of the world, not to the ways of the world. He is devoted. He is given to God. And because of that, it's not just a bunch of words. He seeks to live in a way that would bring honor to the, to the Lord, to God. And that is the fruit of his life. That is the product of his life. Understand, this is a God-honoring person. Let me ask a question tonight. What's wrong with living lives that would seek to honor God? You see, I don't, I don't know that we worry much about that. We think, you know what, I've been saved. I've put my trust in Christ. I'll, I'll try and not mess that up. And we forget about living lives that seek to bring glory to God. What is wrong with living a life that is committed to God that would seek to be pleasing to God? That's how this good man, Simeon, lived. Now it says he was looking for the consolation of Israel. Now that phrase, it's in the book of Isaiah a number of times. It means the coming of the Messiah 
in the inauguration of the kingdom. The inauguration of the kingdom that happens with the coming of the Messiah. He is looking for the coming of the Messiah. Now, it says he was looking for it. That word means he is longing for it. He's not flippantly saying if it happens, it happens. When it happens, we'll see it. He is actually looking for it. He is seeking for it. It is consuming his thoughts. Now, I want you to remember something. Remember, it had been 400 years since a prophet of God had spoken. It had been 400 years since Malachi. And yes, there were a number of prophets, Isaiah and Jeremiah. Yes, there were a number of prophets, and they had foretold of the coming day when the Messiah would come. But you know what? It wasn't when his dad was alive. And it wasn't when his dad's dad was alive. And it wasn't when his dad's dad's dad was alive. In fact, there was no one who could remember anybody that could even remember anyone who had ever heard a prophet speak. It had been 400 years, and yet Simeon is holding on. God has said in his word that the Messiah is coming. I will trust in what God has said. I will trust in the promise of a Messiah. And so we find Simeon here year after year after year, day, can you imagine, day after day after day, Simeon is found trusting the word of God, looking for the Savior of God, because it is his hope. It is his hope. It is the hope of his people. And so he's looking for the Savior from God. Now it says here, the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now understand before Pentecost... The Holy Spirit did not reside in people. That's after Pentecost. The Holy Spirit would visit people. He would empower people, but he did not live in or reside in people. Well, here we find this verse that he is with this godly man. Here's this godly man, and he's seeking the Savior from God, and the Holy Spirit has chosen to dwell with him. Verse 26. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. God told Simeon that he would not die before he had seen with his own eyes the promised Messiah, before he would see the Lord's Christ. Now, I want you to think about that for a second. Again, what a gracious God that is. You see, he had seen Simeon, and he'd seen how he lived to honor God and how he committed his life to God. He had seen Simeon. He'd heard his prayers. He would see that he, he was longing for a hope for the Messiah that he had promised. He could see when others had turned away, when others had forgotten, when others had taken up a mission that would, that would profit them, that here is Simeon, that, that Simeon has stayed the course. And you can see he was growing old. Days had turned into months, had turned into years. You can see he was growing tired. And yet he's faithful. He comes and he comes and he seeks and he looks. And so God in his grace tells him, Simeon, you're going to see him. 
You will not pass away. You will not die until you see the Lord's Christ. Can you imagine the joy of that? I don't know how long he expected to live, but can you imagine the, the promise of that? He will see his Savior. Now, I'm going to stop right there tonight, but here's the question for us tonight. Here's the question. Today, are we living in light of the promises of God? It's a pretty good question. Today, are you living, am I living, are we living in view of, in light of the promises of God? You see, we know our Savior, it's Jesus. We know in Jesus we have the forgiveness of sins. If we've trusted him, our sins are forgiven. We know the promise of God is he is coming again. And so are we living in light of the promises of God? Here's the question. Does that change us? Does that change our priorities tonight? Does that change our motivations tonight? Are we living like Simeon in light of the promises of God? Of God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come and I'm thankful for your word. And I'm thankful for your faithfulness revealed in your word. And every time we look at it, we see you are gracious, you are faithful, you're trustworthy, you are true. Lord, I'm thankful for the account of Simeon tonight. I'm thankful for the account of a man that was a sinner like us. It failed miserably like us, but also who trusted you and committed to you and, and walked in a way, lived in a way that would bring honor to you. Most of all, looked to you for his salvation. Lord, may, may we be those type of people. May we be people that on this side of, of the gospel, knowing your name, knowing the good news, that we would live in light of our Savior. We would live in light of our forgiveness. We would live in light of an eternity settled in you. That we would live in light of the promise that you're coming again. And that those outside of Christ on that day will be lost forever. May we live in light of your promises. Lord, again, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your encouragement tonight. I pray that we've been shaped tonight. I pray that you've spoken. I believe that you have. And then we just end this service, we end this hour, we end this Lord's Day by professing to you, Lord Jesus, we love you and we thank you and we praise you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna close tonight with a time of response, a time of invitation. Maybe you're here tonight and you're a believer, you've trusted Christ, but you need to put your perspective back on Christ, the things we have in Christ, the truth we have in Christ. And maybe before we head into another week, another work week, that you would use these next few minutes to say, God, help me put my eyes on Christ. Help me wherever I go, whatever the situation, to be an ambassador for Christ. Use me in this coming week for the glory of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here and you'd like to pray about something. Maybe you want to come pray at an altar. Maybe you want to come pray with me. Maybe you're here and you'd like to make a decision trusting Christ for the very first time. You come as well. You have that opportunity tonight as well. We're going to stay in the sing. I'm going to ask that no one would stir about that you pray for those that are making decisions. As we stay in the sing, if God has spoken to you, if you have a decision to make, you step out and you come on. I'll meet you here. <laughs>